I, I want to simultaneously thank and also shake Ben for asking me to do this. Uh, it's quite an honor to be speaking to you today. When I was a little girl growing up in the church, I never saw anyone that looked like me standing here, um, and so I'm, I'm truly humbled to be here. I'd like to thank uh, my fans in the audience. Thank you. Um, and I'd also like to thank my parents for being here. Uh, and I'd also like to thank everybody else who maybe thought Ben was going to be here today, uh, back from the Holy Land. There's still time, Ben. Um, uh, uh, so anyway, thank you all for being here. Here we go. I am local. I uh, spent the first 12 years of my life in uh, Chico and the next six years in Durham. And thank you, yes. And for the most part, I loved it. I was involved in all sorts of things uh, in high school. Sports were kind of my thing. There she is. Uh, and thanks to Durham High's low enrollment, I could play them all. I was in the band, 4-H, uh, school clubs, and had a tight group of friends. Um, I went to church three times a week. There's Alyssa. We went to high school together. Uh, I, I went to church three times a week growing up, and for the most part, I embraced it. I grew up in a home that was full of high-level expectations and had rules and boundaries, but at its foundation was built in love. Not quite yet. Um, uh, the picture I'm talking about. Um, uh, my parents were exemplary role models. They still hold hands in public, which is the absolute best. Anyway, church going was an expectation that I embraced. Our youth group was the bomb. We loved each other. We grew up together. Not yet. Um, <laughs> and so when I graduated, just keep it up. That's totally cool. And so when I graduated from Durham High, I spread my wings and went to a college affiliated with that church in the Bible Belt of Nashville, Tennessee. And, and you might think, uh, interesting, NorCal girl headed to Tennessee, okay. Uh, but my father's side of the family lives in Middle Tennessee, and uh, so we'd go out there for a week at least each summer. Um, uh, my oldest living relatives, bingo, uh, were there and are still there, not these two beauties. But um, So as a 17-year-old, that's how I knew Tennessee existed. Everything went pretty smoothly at first. I met nice people, ate lard-laced delicious food. Um, I was the middle hitter on the, on the volleyball team, and that was cool. But I soon found out there were a lot of extra rules um, that students were expected to abide by. Curfew, of course. It's like totally a normal college thing to have curfew. Attend chapel every day. Okay, like I was going to a Christian school. That's, that's fine. Um, live on campus until you're 21. Ooh, okay. Um, rule, um, and no drinking. Okay? okay, no drinking of any kind, even if you are 21. And rules seem like a pretty standard thing, like everywhere, um, but no drinking in college was... Um, Felt a little extreme to me. Um, my teammates were fun. They were too fun. See, at this school, if you get caught drinking alcohol, of course you get dismissed, kicked out of school. It's very black and white. Generally, the deans were very strict with this rule. Fortunately, within the athletic department, 
uh, there was a little more leeway. And so when we inevitably got caught, we were slapped on the wrist and punished the way athletics, athletes get punished, sprints. Um, of course, I had to call my parents, which was completely mortifying. Um, but, you know, we, we worked through it. Now, my sophomore year, I had the opportunity to walk onto the basketball team, which I loved way more than volleyball. I'd hit my stride. I knew all the ways around this, all these strict rules. And life was pretty good. Until I was enlightened uh, by a dear friend of mine that, <laughs> I'll never forget, we were sitting on a couch, and she was like, you know you're gay, right? And I was like, no, no. I did not know that. Um, <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm definitely not. Um, but then it was like, ooh, I definitely might be. Um, so my poor little conservative Christian mind, surrounded by conservative Christian students at this point, conservative Christian school in the Bible Belt that I was already actively testing the drinking rules each weekend. I mean, if they kick you out for drinking a drink, then they're surely going to drink drink you out, <laughs> kick you out, kick you out for being gay. There's no room for queerness. I would for sure get expelled. And so naturally, I started dating women. Um, but I was embarrassed and and closeted and ashamed. I didn't know how to move forward in an authentic way because I was too scared of the possible repercussions, getting kicked off the basketball team, not to mention the school, my family's shame, my own self-loathing because of the expectations I put on myself. I was, it was exhausting hiding my life, who I was from my friends at school and my family at large, the fear of disappointing the people that I loved most or being cut off or kicked out for being the sinner, that one. The sinner that gets kicked out of college for being gay or drinking or just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. There are all kinds of expectations that are put on us and that we put on ourselves. Things to do, things not to do. Do eat your greens. Don't get tattoos. Do get good grades. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. Be skinny, but, but not too skinny or they might think you have a problem. Be rich. And if you can't be rich, look rich. Find a good man when you go to your good Christian college and marry him. Don't get divorced. On and on and on for everyone. Schools demand straightness and churches demand conformity. And this is what we see in 1 Corinthians 1.22. For Jews demand signs and, and Greeks desire wisdom. Back in Corinth, the things to do were to make miracles happen so that you believe. Like turning water into wine or uh, using your staff to eat Pharaoh's snakes or turning a gay girl straight. The people in Corinth were showing off to be the smartest person in the room, they showing, they studied, showing they studied scripture the most, vying for the grandest trophy, all to prove your worth. 
I struggled with my sexuality for seven years before finally coming out to my parents. I lived states away from them, and it was easy to hide. I completely stopped going to church. My spiritual life was at a standstill. I wondered, how could I be loved by a God who was ashamed of me? According to my upbringing and my college experience, I was violating God's plan for me and deserved to be expelled. I wasn't being honest about who I was. I was thinking, well, what if I could find a guy and make it work? I could suppress who I was and pretend to be something I wasn't. Again, referencing Paul in 1 Corinthians as he states, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? If our faith is proving that we meet a certain standard, our spirituality will become a charade a show we put on to impress others. When I did come out to my parents in 2007, it was a calculated event. I strategically, and they're right here, we haven't talked really about this. Um, (laughs) uh, so, um, So I strategically uh, sat them down, told them that I was gay, and left. Um, I had to catch a flight back to Los Angeles, where I was living at the time. Also, strategically, my Aunt Kathy and Uncle Dwayne were there, and uh, they were sitting with us, and when I said those terrifying words, I'm gay, my Aunt Kathy sprung up and said, I knew it! And gave... (laughs) Yeah, obviously. And gave me a big hug. And uh, that was just what I needed. Now, my, my parents had a little bit of a different reaction than Aunt Kathy, uh, but I never felt a dip in their love-o-meter. Were they disappointed? Sure. They wanted my life to be easy, and they knew that being a lesbian wasn't the straight path. <laughs> <laughs> just, just making sure you're still listening. Okay, this wasn't their expectation for my life either. I moved around a lot over the next 12 years, from L.A. to San Diego, to Denver, to Norfolk, Virginia, back to Denver, then to Williamsburg, Virginia, and finally back to Denver. And I was told about a church called House for All Sinners and Saints. Church was at 5 p.m. on Sunday evening in downtown Denver in a beautiful building. Church at 5 p.m.? Already off to a strange start. I walked through the doors of this beautiful, no doubt, historic building with its stained glass sanctuary and was quickly ushered downstairs to the dark and drafty basement. (laughs) Altar in the middle of the room, folding chairs uh, around it in a circle. It was unlike any church experience I'd ever had. The room was full. Seemed like every folding chair was occupied. I looked around. And I saw a room unlike any church I'd ever been to. They weren't dressed up. They were visibly different. I felt like I'd just walked into a dive bar, and I loved it. (laughs) People came as they were, and crazy enough, amongst the misfits was this white, affluent-looking couple. I'm sure to many, this older couple represented parents. And they were here with us. I'd never felt so comfortable. 
House for All changed my perception of what a church could look like and stand for, a place where misfits and weirdos were embraced and made up the majority of the community. It was a home for the broken. After the sermon, there was this silent space where you could meditate, pray, or or write your personal prayer to be read aloud during the prayers of intercession. And the honesty about struggles combined with the praise of thanksgiving were more powerful than anything I'd ever experienced. I didn't know these strangers, but I felt a closeness to them. I was not alone. These were people you'd find in Duffy's or a tattoo parlor or at an AA meeting. And we were all there for the same purpose, and it wasn't to get tattoos. These brothers and sisters, queers and addicts, were with me together as we tried to heal our brokenness. Paul writes, God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. You have the whole world, and you take these pie-serving slices of people, and that slice of humanity in that basement was the first time church felt real. These are real people with real problems. But suddenly the rules of what a church was supposed to look like were thrown out the window. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Through these faithful misfits, I discovered that I don't need to pretend to be something that I'm not. I realized God even loves the people with the face tattoos. God even loves me. By this time, Carson and I were married with one child, and I was pregnant with our second, and I was ready to embrace every part of my life. I wanted to raise our kids in the same place I was raised, with the opportunities of this small community and our children's grandparents only 15 minutes away, still in Durham. And so, somehow, I convinced my wife to move from colorful Colorado back to my home, Chico. I left when I was 17 in 1999 and came back in 2018. I came back to Chico having traveled, seen the world, married, had a baby, and found my way back to God's love. Knowing what I did about the community I grew up in, maybe the wise thing for my wife and I to do when we moved back would be to try and fit in with those old expectations, try and go back to pretending to be what we aren't for the sake of human approval. But there was never a moment in my mind where I thought, I should pretend to be something that I am not. Even though there's still an opportunity for people to judge me for who I am. Especially at high school reunions. I had never even entertained going to a high school reunion. uh, But my 20th year reunion in 2019, I organized it. I was proud of my authentic self in a way that I had never been. It went well. While Carson and I never went back to the church where I was raised, the people that I grew up with never abandoned me. I felt so differently about that church in Chico than I do about my college. I never felt supported at college. There was no leeway for mistakes, and you do a lot of those in college. (laughs) Only lies and survival. But this church that I grew up in, the church my parents still attend, they treat me exactly the same as when I was a kid even with the full knowledge of my story. They have remained my extended family. Just because you don't agree doesn't mean you can't love. 
You have these interactions with people in your life that you expect to judge you in a certain way, but then they surprise you by loving you anyway. And the only way you discover that is, about, is by being honest about who you are. Give the people who, in your judgment, are judging you the opportunity, the opportunity to love you authentically. And who knows? Maybe they will. Paul says, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. I'm going to just say that one more time. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. When I was doing this, I had to read that like 17 times to really get it. God's foolishness, which is loving us unconditionally on the cross, is more wonderful than straightness. God's weakness, which is being vulnerable on the cross, is stronger than conformity. I thought that I had to be X, Y, and Z, but I trusted God's love and foolishly was honest and vulnerable about, who, about being who I was. That was the wiser choice. That was the stronger It happened at House for All. It happened at my high school reunion. It happened with my parents, who loved me unconditionally. And it showed up when two of my college friends, this college, which I can still have this angst against, clearly, uh, they showed up for for me uh, out of the blue just three months ago. The thought of that moment still sends me reeling. And that's where you find God's love most, in those unexpected places And it's not the church that's supposed to look like the church. It's in the basement. And that's true for all of life. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are honest about who they are, even if it's not what the world tells them to be. But they know God loves them anyway. May we do the same. Amen.